So the world is calling for unity like we've, like we've really never seen before. Um, so in, in President Joe Biden's inaugural speech, um, let me just read a, a, a few quotes from you on that. It requires the most elusive of things in democracy, unity, unity. With unity, we can do great things, important things. We can right wrongs. I know speaking of unity can sound like a foolish fantasy of things. History, faith, and reason show the way, the way of unity. I can join, we can join forces, stop the shouting, and lower the temperature, for without unity, there is no peace, only bitterness and fury. This is our historic moment of crisis and challenge, and with unity, I'm sorry, and unity is the path forward. And together, we shall write an American story of hope and not fear, of unity and not division. He used that word unity, like, I I think it was over 10 times in the span of 20 minutes. It was crazy. Our world is calling for unity like we've never seen before. And in some ways, the world is actually more united now than it's ever been. I want you to think about this. There have been over 220 countries where at least one person had a positive COVID test. Think about that. 220 countries. That's nearly every country in the entire world. You would have a very hard time finding someone who doesn't know what COVID-19 is. That's just the world that we live in. Like, think about that. There's any, there's hardly any subject matter that you can bring up universally around the world and everyone knows what you're talking about. But that virus, that COVID-19 is actually one of those things. Well over 100 countries worldwide had instituted either a full or a partial lockdown by the end of March 2020, affecting billions of people. If you went into lockdown, if you were in any kind of quarantine, you have something in common with billions of people all over the world that you've never even met. We all know what it's like to have too much toilet paper and not enough to eat. We all know what it's like to overwash our hands and underwash our feet. (laughs) Like these are just things that you have in common with other people. And there's nothing else like that. These, These feelings, these experiences have given you something in common with billions of other people. I always had something to talk about with strangers in Africa. Like the trip that we just went on. Like I'm able to sit next to someone who I've never met, who grew up in a completely different context, a different country from me, and I can have something in common with them. And I can talk about that with them. That's pretty amazing. And that's so rare. And while I hate that the thing that we have in common is this virus, it still remains something no matter your race, religion, ethnicity, sexual orientation, upbringing, criminal history, we all relate to one another in this thing. We all have this thing in common. But is unity having things in common? I want you to think about that question. Is unity having things in common? Let me just tell you, there is a clear disunity between Christians and non-Christians. And I would say that's good. Christians should not look like everyone else. I've said it before. I wish disingenuous, fake Christians would denounce their faith because they're giving a bad name to the real Christians, right? Let me, let me put it like this. 
these lukewarm, one foot in, one foot out people who claim Jesus like he's a coat that looks good to everyone when you wear it, but then take it off when you get home or when you get around certain people. Just take off the coat. Just don't claim this Christianity thing that we are trying to live out real and you're not. Here's what I'm saying. The world and the church will never be unified and we need to make peace with that. And that's okay. Narrow is the gate that leads to life and broad is the gate that leads to death. There will always be life people and there will always be death people. And that's okay. Christianity is not an invitation to sit around a campfire and sing kumbaya. It's an invitation to die to yourself, to pick up your cross, to eat of his flesh, to drink of his blood. It's an invitation to surrender, to live uncomfortably, and to resist conformity. And by the way, none of those things come naturally. Unity is not having things in common. It's having the main thing in common. Did you hear me? Unity is not having things in common. It's having the main thing in common. And that main thing is the belief in Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. I really don't care if the church that you're from sings from hymns. I really don't care if they sit in pews. I don't care what color carpet it is in the sanctuary. I don't care what... uh, Christian bands are on your playlist that you listen to when you're on your way to church. None of that really matters to me. But what does matter to me is, do you believe in Jesus's life, death, and resurrection? Listen, I would agree with President, I would agree with President Joe Biden's uh, statement. We do need unity. That is important for where we're at right now. We do need to make change and to come together. But what we need more And what's more important than unity is purity. And that's what I want to talk about tonight. Specifically, a purity in what we are uniting over. Unity, peace is important. Don't get me wrong. But more than that, we need to define our terms and decide what truth is and unite around that truth. We need purity and then peace. Let's pray and then I'll get into it. Father, we love you. We thank you for bringing us here. Father, this world does need unity. But more than it needs unity, it needs you. So Father, I pray that we would press on towards you, that we would press on towards truth, and that you would reveal that truth as we are seeking it, Jesus. We love you, and it's in your holy name we pray. Amen. So, knowing that Christians are called to look different than the world, we must recognize that, Christians de- that a Christian's definition of unity and the world's def- definition of unity is going to look different. And I want to examine that difference. Our leader, our president, is calling for unity, but we have to ask the question, what kind of unity is he calling for? Right? That's an important question to ask. Is it unity over truth? Or is it unity over conformity? I said we have to define our terms, so let's do that a little bit, okay? What is the kind of unity that pleases God? That's what we really have to answer in all of this. What is the kind of unity that pleases God? And I think it's interesting that the Bible actually only uses the word unity five times in Scripture. Out of all of the Bible, the word unity only appears five times. It appears in Psalms 133 verse 1, 
uh, John 17, verse 23, Ephesians 4, verse 3, Ephesians 4, verse 13, Colossians 3, verse 14, um, and, and that's it. And, and today I want to really focus in on Ephesians. Um, uh, and, and the reason I want to do that is because um, there's different words um, in Greek for unity, but we're just going to look at one of those words. Um, and in the New Testament, there's three different words used for unity, but we're just going to focus on one, and that's the one that they use in Ephesians. Um, if you want to know why that is, um, or if you are interested in what the other ones mean, um, come talk to me afterwards. Um, reach out to us on social media. Um, I would love to, to share that information with you. But the, the one word that we're going to focus on today is henotes. I want everyone to say henotes. Henotes. It's a very elegant word. I like it, but it means unity in the Bible. Okay, so I want to walk through how that word unity, henotes, is used in Ephesians. Okay, so Ephesians 4 verse 3 says, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Okay, unity of the spirit. Ephesians 4 verse 13, that's the other one in Ephesians that uses the word unity, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the sons of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Unity of the faith. Unity, henotes, say that word again, henotes. That word henotes in Greek actually means agreement. So I want us to think about this. The way that it's used in those verses is unity of spirit and unity of the faith. In other words, henotes means agreement of the spirit and agreement of the faith. Unity that pleases God is an agreement of the spirit and an agreement of the faith. Are you hearing me? It's an agreement of the spirit and an agreement of the faith. Well, you just said unity was not conformity, but it sounds like if you are agreeing with something, doesn't that mean that you're just conforming to it? No, 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 that's not what I'm saying. Let me tell you, there's a difference between conformity and agreement. Listen, my wife and I are united. There's no doubt about that. We are united. But man, we hate each other's movie selections. It's, it's so bad. Like, I love... I love psychological thrillers. Like, I can't get enough of them, man. And she will run and hide in the other room. And there's only so much rom-com a man can take. And I... We don't watch a ton of rom-coms, but that's because we're united. (laughs) So... That's true. I am very bad when it comes to picking movies. But my wife and I are united, but we don't have to agree on everything. (laughs) Let me just tell you, we are united, but that does not mean we conform to the other person's likes and dislikes because that's not what unity is. That's not what true agreement is. We are in agreement that Christianity is about the invitation to die to self, to pick up your cross, to eat of his flesh, to drink of his blood. We are in agreement about all of those things. Therefore, we are united about all of those things. We are united not because we look the same in every little aspect, but because we have purity of belief in our relationship. Does that make sense? I want to read a quote from C.H. Spurgeon. He says, it is not likely we should all see eye to eye. 
You cannot make a dozen watches all tick to the same time, much less a dozen men all think the same thoughts. But still, if we should all bow our thoughts to the one written word, the Bible, and would own no authority but the Bible, the church could not be divided, could not be cut into pieces as she now is. We come together when we come under the word of God. That was written in 1860. And if it was true back then, it is so true now. More important than unity is purity. Does that make sense? Let me, let me get practical, okay? Because we've been kind of out here. I want to get focused in. Are you concerned with the number of friends you have or with the purity of those friends? Think about that question. Are you in agreement with the people around you? And, and let me just put it this way. Jesus was known as the friend of sinners, okay? So I'm not telling you you can only have Christian friends around you all the time who believe all the same things you do, right? That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is, are your influencers believing the same things that you are? Are the people you're watching on TikTok, are your mentors, and are your main peers around you, do they believe the same things that you do? Do they believe in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ because they need to in order for you to have a successful spiritual life? In order to have unity, you have to have those things. The people that you trust must believe those things. Unity that is not of the Spirit or of the faith should be avoided at all costs. Because that's not unity, that's uniformity, and that's conformity, right? And those two things are not unity, and I want us to see the difference between them tonight. Allow me to throw some disclaimers in there because I'm, <laughs> I'm not advocating... What I'm not advocating here is like a, you go out into the world and you're like, you guys don't know the truth. You have no idea what you're talking about. There will be no unity until you know the truth. So I'm going to teach you the truth. Sit down. I'm going to shove this Bible in your face and I'm going to teach you the truth. That's not what I'm talking about. Because here's, here's what it really comes down to. Love without truth is not love. And truth without love is not truth. You have to have both of them in all that you do. Here's all I'm saying. Unity is not compromising truth for the sake of peace. I'm going to say that again. Unity is not compromising truth for the sake of peace. That's what it has to be. And you have to do that because it is so worth it. Do you realize that the church was most united when it was most persecuted? Think about that. In in the early parts of Acts, Jesus had died and gone to heaven. And the churches are starting to form around the disciples. And it says they were completely united together. They were in complete agreement with each other. And there were people literally hunting down and killing Christians publicly. Here's the point that I'm trying to make with that. Unity and peace can exist separately. Hear me. With Jesus, 
you can have unity without peace. With the world, you can have peace and then unity only. That's what the world believes. The world believes we have to have peace. We have to come together. We all have to think one way and then we can be united. No, 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 no. Biblical unity means that we believe in Jesus' life, death, and resurrection and that there is no requirement of peace in that moment. Does that make sense? You don't have to have peace to have unity. And I don't, maybe it's just me that thinks that that's a kind of a crazy idea, but that's what the Bible teaches. Okay, so I'm going to move on from that to what is probably the most important part of this whole thing, okay? I want to talk about the unity of self. You cannot be united with others if you are not united with yourself. And I know that sounds like super, like I saw that in a yoga studio on a poster somewhere. It's true. You cannot have unity with others if you don't have unity with yourself. A divided mind has no unity. If you're not sure of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, it will be impossible for you to have agreement of the Spirit and agreement of the faith, true unity, with anyone. Because you don't have true unity within yourself. What you do in your secret place is the God you worship. I want you to really think about that. What you do in your secret place is the God that you worship. Whether or not you have true unity in yourself will be determined when no one else is watching. You show me what you do when no one else is watching, and I will show you your God. That's what I'm saying here. And this is the final disclaimer I want to throw in there, okay? Some division is good. There has to be some division for things to grow. Plants, at their healthiest, have trimmed off the dead parts, right? And that's what we have to do as Christians as well. If you are not united with someone, if someone of influence is in your life and they don't believe in Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, divide. You have to, or else you will not grow to the potential that you can. Divide. Do not be united with them. It is the only way to maintain your unity with Jesus. And that is the most important thing. I want to end with this quote from J.C. Ryle. He says, Peace is an excellent thing, but like gold, it may be brought too dear. It may be bought too dear, excuse me. Unity is a mighty blessing, but it is worthless if it is purchased at the cost of truth. Once more I say, open your eyes and be on your guard. Unity without the gospel is a worthless unity. It is the very unity of hell.